0: In our second scripture lesson from the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, Paul writes, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry, in Greek, diaconia, for those of you who are about to be ordained as deacons, in diakonying, in ministering, the diligent, um, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, and love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. In 2016, the producers of the Academy Award TV show decided to write every one of the Oscar nominees to remind them that they only had 45 seconds for their acceptance speech. The note said, after the 45 seconds, music will begin, you'll be played off the stage, and in addition, that year, the producers asked every nominee to send them a list of all those they would like to thank. You see, the producers hoped that by making these nominees produce a list, that that lengthy tradition of winners pulling out like a handwritten note and just reading on and on and on would would be done, and that the people receiving the award would get to, instead of thanking everybody, speak from the heart about the art, about the vision of the movie-making experience. And did it work? No, not at all. In the heat of the moment, winners still rambled on, and in, on average, someone actually counted, they, they were thanking about 23 people in each speech. And all of the speeches, as you know, continued to go too long. At such a moment, when faced with the crowning achievement like the Academy Award, it seems that speaking from the heart about the art of filmmaking takes a backseat to reflecting upon the people, family, friends, teachers, mentors, cast members, crew, and directors that helped you get to that moment. Country music star Kenny Chesney, and I will say honestly to you that I have never quoted Kenny Chesney in a sermon before, (laughs) but he put it this way in a song. He writes, I didn't get here alone. That road's just too rough and long. I might be the one the spotlight's on, but I didn't get here alone. Now, you don't need to be an Oscar winner or a country music star to understand this, right? Of course not. Anyone who's awake or self-aware knows this truth, that what we accomplish, what we treasure, what we become, what we achieve, it has as much to do with the people who poured into us. As it does with who we are. That road's just too rough and long, and I might be the one the spotlight's on, but I didn't get here alone. In the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, as Jesus is preparing to leave his disciples, he reminds them of this important truth I am the vine, he says, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Let me abide in you. Love one another as I have loved you. You didn't get here alone, he says. You won't move God's plan for this world forward alone. You belong together. And the quality of your life together, it matters. In the 12th chapter of Romans... As Paul is preparing to leave the church, he reminds them of this important truth. We, says Paul, we who are many, we are really one body in Christ. Individually, we are members of one another. So let your love for one another be the real deal, let it be genuine, because you didn't get here alone and you won't move God's plan for this world forward alone. You belong together, and the quality of your life together, it matters. Now, one could try to create a life, or a career, or a work of beauty, or a plan for success alone. People have, and people do. But this morning, let me remind you that scripture teaches us, when it comes to transforming a life, when it comes to transforming the world, when it comes to being part of God's design, alone doesn't work. Like it or not, we are branches growing from the same vine. I look at some of the other branches and shake my head, but that's still true that we are branches from the same vine, the vine of the grace of Jesus Christ. And know it or not, we are members of one another, Notice that Jesus doesn't say, now you guys go out and try to be branches. And Paul never says, now you go and try and become part of a body. No, friends, this isn't a command. This is a description. You are branches. You are members of one another, one body in Jesus Christ. That, that is the reality of the life of faith. The life of faith is life in community. The life of faith is life connected, always connected, not just to God, the God we know in Jesus Christ, but connected to one another, and that's the hard part. Because you know how far that connection goes? Not just to the ones we know and love and cherish, that would be easy. No, we are connected to those that God knows that God loves, and that God cherishes. We're branches in an unending vine of mercy and grace, larger, more powerful than we could ever think or imagine. We're members of one another connected in Christ to people, to people we don't understand, to people we will never meet, to people who live on the other side of this planet. We didn't get here alone my friends, and we will not move God's plan for the world forward alone. Now for those who grew up in the church, this might not sound revolutionary, but in the culture we live in, which is so highly individualistic, and in an age like ours when walls and separation are much more popular than being connected, the gospel message says no No. Being spiritual or moral or ethical, while good, it is not enough. Being a nice Christian by yourself, while it is easy and and fun, it is not enough. It doesn't move the needle. It doesn't transform lives. It doesn't change the world. That, that happens together. And that's why we have the church the fallible, flawed, very human, but grace-bearing church. Not long ago, a young friend of mine came to me for some advice. I've known this young man since he was probably about 12. He's a dear young man, serious, hardworking. And he came to me saying, you know, my job is okay and I have really good friendships, I know I'm faithful and loyal and I know I care about the world and the people around me, but but I'm beginning now at 28 to think that something's missing from my life. I really want to be part of something bigger, something bigger than myself and my job and my friendships. They just don't seem enough. Where do I go to look for something more? I was quiet for a while, and then I literally said to him, you do know what I do for a living, right? (laughs) Of course he did, and of course that's why he came to me, because he and his girlfriend were actually fooling around with the idea of looking for a church. But like so many of his generation, they were skeptical. They knew all the flaws of the institutional church, right? They had heard bad stories. They had bad memories. He literally said to me, isn't there another way we could do this? <laughs> I said, no. And this is one of my favorite sayings. The church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. We are, you aren't meant to do this alone, I wrote to him. You need Christian community to nourish your faith. You need Christian community to challenge the way you're spending your life and your love and you need Christian community to give yourself to what God is doing in this world. They're still looking for a church, but they're trying. I'm the vine and you are the branches, said Jesus. Love one another. The Apostle Paul said, we are many, but we are members of one another, one body in Christ, So let us love one another with genuine love. For just a minute, friends, ponder this. Ponder the blessing of this, that we are actually members of one another, or in another translation, we belong to one another. That is a blessing. But it also is a cost. Belonging is a cost. Belonging to one another means that what hurts you Hurts me. What breaks your heart breaks my heart. That means that I'm not alone in my suffering, but at the same time that the suffering of an abused child halfway across the world actually affects me. We belong to one another, a blessing and a cost. We belong to one another. We can try to evade that. We can ignore that. We can turn our back on that. But friends, it never stops being the truth. As you've read in your bulletin, uh, your APNC has called a congregational meeting in a few weeks where you'll be voting on um, me as a candidate, as an installed pastor, and on another candidate. And at this point, I will tell you I'm delighted to be your candidate. But that wasn't the case about eight months ago. In all honesty, when this talk started about eight months ago, when the talk started about me staying permanently, I wasn't sure at all. After all, I came here to do a temporary job. It was never my plan to stay, to stay here or in Austin for that matter. I wasn't sure it was right for me. I wasn't sure it was right for the church. I wasn't sure it was right for my family. And I stewed and I stewed and I stewed about it and finally I called a very good friend and I said, I just need to hash this out with you. Just listen to me. I know I'm whining, but just listen, listen. And so she did, she listened. But she knows me really, really well. I mean, almost too well, you know? And she knows that when I get really excited about a project, when I'm working on something that I'm passionate about, that I'm really, really interested in, that I often get up at 3 in the morning and work for a little while in the middle of the night on it. And so she heard me rambling and rambling, and she just stopped me, finally, and she said, Stacy, just tell me this have you been getting up at 3 a.m. and I said well you know every now and then well what's waking you up these days she said I said well you know I, I wake up every now and then to to work on and think about my ministry at WHPC and she just burst out laughing said, Stacy, if you're waking up at 3 a.m. to think about that church, you belong to them and they belong to you, for goodness sakes, quit worrying about an installation. Really good advice. We, says Paul, we who are many, are really just one body in Christ, individually members of one another. It's a powerful metaphor for our life together. We didn't get here alone. We won't move God's plans forward for the world alone. We belong together and the quality of our life together, the love we extend and the love we share, it makes all the difference. Your life together, says Paul, should be a life of genuine love. Your life together, says Jesus, should be the love that looks like the love I've given you. That's real love. That's love which can transform our lives and ultimately will transform this world. And our life together in this church and every church should be drenched in love. Our life together should call forth the best in each of us. Our life together should be like a laboratory of learning how deep and high and wide and strong God's love really can be. And our life together must shine a loving light in every dark and dangerous place of need that exists anywhere near our sphere of influence. it's a tall order. And the church, being human and fallible, it often, often falls short. But that doesn't mean we can give up on Christian community. Too many people are willing to do that. We are, after all, branches of the same vine. We are, after all, members of one another. We do, whether we like it or not, after all, belong to each other and to all of God's hurting children, even those we don't understand, and especially those who are hard to love. In the Presbyterian Church, we ordain and install deacons, and we do this to lead the charge when it comes to creating life together that exhibits genuine and real love. In just a few minutes, we're going to enter into this service. But before we do, let me remind you of the deacon's calling. The Book of Order puts it this way. The ministry of the deacon, as set forth in Scripture, is one of compassion, one of witness and service, sharing the redeeming love of Jesus Christ for the poor, the sick, the lost, the friendless, the oppressed, those burdened, and those in distress. And so that's what we've done. We've elected, and today we will install these deacons. Along with those who are continuing, they will help us, help us honor all of our members and help us to show love. And I mean the real deal, genuine love. Not just speech, but action. There'll be deacons who carry meals to those who are sick, who write cards to those who grieve, who will visit those who are sick. And they do this, and this is important, not just so that the rest of us can sit back and say, good, that genuine love thing is happening in my church, isn't that great? No, they do that to spur on the rest of us, to remind us day in and day out that all of us bear the blessing and the cost of belonging to one another. There are examples and our guides, our cheerleaders, as each of us strive to live at our call to love as Christ loved us. Imagine with me for a moment. If we learn in this place to love like that, what a difference it will make in the family, in the workplace, in this community, in this part of our world. Imagine if we take the Apostle Paul's instruction to heart and we let our love be genuine without pretending, if we love with actions, not just words, if we really do, as he says, hate evil, and we really do hold on to what is good, if we really love each other like we belong to one another. Thanks be to God that we didn't get here alone. Thanks be to God that we move God's plans for this world forward together. And thanks be to God that we belong to one another. That God's love is deep enough, wide enough, high enough for our every need. Alleluia. Amen. Amen.